Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I do want to take just a moment to invite you, if you're coming on Wednesday nights, uh, you've heard this already, but if you're not, uh, haven't been on a Wednesday night in our adult Bible study this week, we are taking a break from our uh, Bible study to uh, do a little music. Brother Caleb and I are going to uh, sing some Christmas music for you this Wednesday night at 6.30 here in the auditorium. So if you are uh, into that, you can come. And if you're not into that, I guess you don't have to come. So there you go. Uh, but we're going to have a good time, just kind of some special, uh, enjoy, just enjoy Christmas together. It's our last Wednesday night uh, of the year, so we're excited to do that. And then we'll come back on January 3rd. Uh, school is not back in session yet, but we are going to have a Wednesday night gathering on the 3rd. We're really just going to have kind of a family game night. So we had one of those scheduled, but ended up canceling that because of a playoff game. But, but we will uh, be here on the third, just bring some games, some snacks to share, and we're just going to have a good time hanging out. So uh, Wednesday nights are, are fun around here. If you haven't been, it's a fun thing to check out. So I want to invite you to do that. Well, we continue our series at this time called God With Us, and we're talking about the wonder of the incarnation. We've really been trying to wrap our minds around what this looks like to say that God became flesh and dwelt among us. This reality that a transcendent God who is so far beyond us has actually come to dwell near us through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Theologian J.I. Packer says this about the incarnation. It is here in the thing that happened at the first Christmas that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of the Christian revolution lie. The word became flesh. God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. And there was no illusion or deception in this. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. It sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? And the reality is if we believe this, then really the rest of what we believe about our faith as Christ followers is legit. If God really came and became a baby, then why wouldn't all these things be possible? Skeptics and and scholars would say, well, oh man, these miracles, they seem a little bit beyond belief. Uh, How could a guy really die and then come back to life? But guys, if God became a baby... Not only are these things possible, I would argue they're plausible. You should expect these things to happen if God comes and puts on human flesh. Why wouldn't he rise again? Why wouldn't he be capable of miracles? If God became man, the rest of the story makes sense. So here's what I want to tell you. We're not just here to get the nostalgia and the Christmas vibes going on. We're not just here to to enjoy. Listen, I'm all about traditions and enjoying those things. We're even getting to start some new traditions. That's a lot of fun, man. We're going to sing some traditional songs and do some traditional things. And it's okay for us to enjoy special things at Christmas that bring us, even if you want to just call it the warm fuzzies. 
But here's what I want to tell you guys. My heart for us this Christmas season is that we would leave the Christmas season with hearts on fire for the Lord. That's what I want to see happen. And the way that happens is to actually get a grip of what it is we're talking about at Christmas. That God really came and became a man and walked on this earth among us so that ultimately, as we'll get to today, he could dwell within us. And if that's true, and if that's a reality in your life, then everything ought to be changed. Nothing can stay the same once you encounter the God-man. So that's my heart for us this Christmas season, that we would really wrap our minds and our hearts around that, that our faith in Jesus and his gospel would be bolstered and strengthened as we just try to set our hearts and our minds and our eyes on the incredible truth of the incarnation. So with all that in mind, we come to perhaps the most theological treatment of the doctrine of the incarnation here in John 1. It's interesting in the Gospels, you have four different Gospels, but they're really telling the same story, right? The story of Christ who's come to initiate this new kingdom. But you have four different viewpoints, four different audiences that they're writing to. So four different perspectives, yet telling the same story. And John, interestingly enough, takes a little bit different approach. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all go with an origin story, which is always a great way to start, right? So it's like I was born one time, right? Like it's an easy place. You go all the way there and you start your story with the beginning. But what actually John is going to do is go further than that. He doesn't just say, hey, this guy Jesus was born. He's going to go all the way back to before this whole creation was actually a creation, And he's going to kind of unpack the theological reality of a God who dwells within us. And here's why I love this, y'all. Basically, what's happening in this text, he says, before we even start talking about Jesus and the stuff he did while he was on earth, you need to understand who this is. It's important that we wrap our minds around the kingdom reality of who Jesus is. So let's dive into this text together. We're going to read several verses here, actually the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, here's what the word of the Lord says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ.'" 
No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray together. God, I ask that by your spirit, you would speak to us right now through your word. Lord, there is so much happening in this text, Lord. My heart is just full even reading it right now. But Lord, I pray that you would give us through your Holy Spirit eyes to see, hearts ready to receive, and hands and feet ready to walk out this truth in a way that changes us this Christmas. God, thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. In the beginning was the word. This term word is used here to represent Jesus Christ. It's the same philosophical idea in the philosophical world of the first century. This term word was used to talk about divine reason or the solution to all of life. People were trying to find what's the word. What's the word? Now, not like when you're trying to have a conversation, you're like, what's the word for? And you never get there. No, this idea of what's the word is like, what is the solution to all of life? What is the meaning of life? This was a philosophical conversation of their day. What is the word? What is the meaning? What is the solution? What is life really all about? And John hijacks this phrase, the word, and and uses it to talk about Jesus Christ because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the divine reason that all of this exists. And he's going to unpack this here. So John's not simply borrowing from Greek philosophy. Instead, when he uses this phrase, the word, I think he's using it to call to mind how God himself brought all things into existence through his spoken word. God spoke and things happened. We talked last week about the pre-existence of Christ which is a heavy concept, but here's what it means. Jesus has always existed. There was not a beginning. He was there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all have eternally existed. And this Jesus was there speaking things into creation. And we said last week, we saw in verse 3 of Hebrews 1, that by that same word, Jesus is currently holding all things together in this universe. Right here, right now, they're being held together by the word of his immovable power. This Jesus we worship is a big, big deal, friends. In verse 2, we see Jesus is who John calls the Word, and he has existed from the very beginning. Verse 3 tells us he was there at creation. All things that were made were made through him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Brothers and sisters, in that phrase right there, you really see perfectly summed up what I took like 40 minutes to sum up to you last week from Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. So if you missed that message, you heard it right there in reading John chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is better at uh, being brief than I am, apparently. It's an incredible reality. All of Scripture proclaims the greatness and the bigness of Christ. And yet we're going to see through this text once again that he has come near to us. So as we reflect on this incarnation of Jesus, I want to focus on what John really talks about throughout this text, and it's the concept of Jesus as the light of the world. I'm a big fan of Christmas lights, outside, inside, everywhere. In fact, I walked in earlier, I was like, these lights aren't on. 
We got to get the garden lit up. We like, uh, I love Christmas lights. And one of the reasons we use Christmas lights and that Christmas is synonymous with light is because of passages like this all throughout scripture that tell us Jesus is the light of the world. So I want to think about what this means for us as we seek to interact with Jesus Christ as the light of the world. The first thing we're going to see is that John clearly shows us that Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the true light. Look at verse four. In him was life and the life was the light of men. In Christ, there is life and that life is the light of men. Men is us. The only light that you and I have in this dark world is Jesus Christ. I love how verse five puts it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ, the true light, shines bright in our world and it pierces the darkness. And it's not like the darkness hasn't tried to fight back, but at the end of the day, the darkness cannot overcome it because Jesus is the true light. You'll notice I keep using this phrase, true light. I use that because the text uses that. But also look at what happens in verses six through eight. It's almost odd as you're walking through this text that right in the middle of this passage declaring the greatness of Christ, the the amazing reality of the light of Christ that's shining everywhere, and then right in the fat middle of this glorious section of scriptures, like there was also this guy named John. He wasn't the light. He came to talk about the light, but he wasn't the light. It almost seems like, dude, if I'm grading this paper, I'm putting an X here and saying, move that somewhere else, dude. And if you read the rest of chapter one, it makes sense because later he's going to talk about John the Baptist. Like you should probably move that there. It makes a little more sense. By the way, this is John the disciple writing about John the Baptist. Are you confused yet? All right, it's fine. Two different guys. I just wanted you to know that. But why is this shoehorned into the middle of this passage? I don't think that John the disciple was trying to put John the Baptist in his place. In fact, we see at the end of this text, did you see what John said? John even said, John the Baptist said, I am not the light, I came to bear witness. He is greater than me. He's gonna say in John 3.30, I must decrease and he must increase. So John the disciple is not trying to put John the Baptist in his place when he writes this here in verses six through eight. You know what I think is actually happening here? I think the Holy Spirit is working to expose something that that if you would just be honest and let him speak to you today, we all struggle with a little bit. What he's trying to not so gently remind us and tell us today is simply this, you are not the light. You are not the light of the world. Some of y'all need to hear that today. Listen, You're not the light. You are not the guardians of your own little light. It's not up to you. Jesus is the light. You're not the one who brings the wattage. You're not the one turning on the switch. We are just the ones who the light is shining on, and we are seeking to point everybody to that light. Here's why this is important for us to stop and acknowledge. You and I burn out sometimes, don't we? It's just a fact. We run out of batteries. You're like that flashlight that you don't think about until you really need it and then you get it and then you hadn't used it in two years so the batteries are out. This is just a great little reminder for you when you get home, check your flashlights in case the power goes out, right? But that's us. But the true light is always burning. You and I fall to darkness, don't we? 
We sin. We still have this flesh around. We still find ourselves in moments where we're not walking with the Lord. But the good news is the true light has never been and never will be overcome by darkness. John was not the true light. And brother or sister, you are not the true light. Jesus Christ is the true light. Now, some of you, I can just see by the way you're kind of looking at me, you're thinking, okay, Rusty, this is kind of a weird preacher bit. Do you really think that I thought I was Jesus? Some of you, maybe check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Because that's a bad way to be if you think you're the savior of the world. But, but if you're like me, do you find yourself sometimes trying to be the light instead of just walking in the light? See what I mean? I don't think this manifests itself most of the time as us running around saying, hey, look at me, I'm the Savior. If you get to that point, you pretty much know you're in trouble. But for me, it shows up when I'm burnt out and wore out and exhausted, when I'm at the end of my rope and I act like that's it, like I'm the only hope I've got. And if we're honest, I think we tend to live like we're the light. But the Lord wants us to see today through his word that, that you are not the light. But the good news is you can trade in your janky, not good light for the true light of the world today. It's available to us. And I think some of us need this encouragement today. Maybe you're not feeling it this Christmas. Like maybe you're like, man, listen, I, I've tried. And some of you, there are legit reasons for you to be in that place today. Some of you are like, man, I'm wearing the sweater. Like I'm, you know, I'm going through the motions. I've watched some of the programs twice this year. We put up the tree and I'm just not feeling it. No matter what I do, I haven't gotten to a place where I'm feeling it and it feels like Christmas and everything's joyful in my life. Could I just free you for something? I just want to tell you something that you may need to hear today. It's okay to come to the light of the world, broken, hurting, down and out, and not in a good place. You don't have to turn the light on to go to the light. You've just got to run to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. I want to just encourage you today. The text says this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So if you feel like there's darkness all around you today, can I just say that there's a glorious invitation from the Lord to come to the light. Come to the light. But that brings us to a choice that you and I have to make because you see this light this true light that is Christ can be received or it can be ignored the light of Christ can be either received or ignored now think about this with me it's not easy to ignore light right uh, like when the light comes on in the morning we have a little dog who just likes to you know lay out on the couch and I'm usually the first one up and when I turn on any light like the Christmas tree he acts like his whole world has been ended any of you like that? Like when a light comes on, you're like, oh, but what do I do? Like just trying to hide it. So, so what he'll have to do, if there's covers out there, he's like burrowing his head under the covers. He just doesn't want to see the light. I think about my friends who are on shift work. Some of you guys in this room, like when you're working nights and you got to sleep in the day, man, they make like darkening shades. Like you find a way to make your room completely pitch black so you can get some sleep. But it takes intentionality to ignore the physical light in this world. Can I tell you that in the same way spiritually, it takes work to ignore the reality of the light of Christ. 
Yet the tragic fact of the matter is that there are many people today who are doing that at this very moment. People who have chosen to ignore the true light of the world. Verse 10 says it this way. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus was walking around in the creation that he created and people chose to ignore him. That would be the equivalent of you showing up at my house, letting yourself in, walking around and having your way in my home and acting like I'm not even there. But that's what happens when we choose to ignore Christ. When we're walking around in his creation, living our lives on our own terms, when he has created us to live for his glory and for his purposes, yet we walk around and live in such a way that acts like he doesn't even exist. Church, here's what concerns me today. Even for those of us who would call ourselves children of God, so often I think we find ourselves living as if this life was all about us. Sure, we acknowledge the light. It's a good thing. We want to keep it around, but we keep the light of the world kind of like we do a Christmas tree. You can turn it on when you want to. We like to sit and look at it occasionally and feel the warmth that it brings our heart. But when we're done, we unplug it and go back on to our everyday lives, doing our own thing. Brothers and sisters, when we choose to do that with Christ, I need you to understand that you are actively choosing to ignore the true light of the world. And I know you may be thinking, well, man, this just kind of happens it just happens fast. It happens before we even know it. And yeah, I know it feels that way, but here's what I want to just tell you. I know that none of you wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm going to sabotage my faith and make a wreck of my relationship with Jesus. I sure hope you haven't had that moment, right? But haven't you had moments where when you look back, you're like, I made a wreck of my relationship with Jesus. How does it happen? Friends, it happens with a little choice here and a little choice there. And before you know it, we have gone far from where the Lord wants us to be. We've rejected the only hope we have in this world, the very light of the world itself, Jesus Christ. But here's why the gospel is good news. Even though that's your story and my story, even though we have a history of rejecting that which can save us, God still loves us enough to give us the greatest opportunity that mankind has ever encountered, and that is the opportunity to receive the light of the world, to stop trying to ignore it, stop running from it, and instead just boldly and unashamedly let the light of Christ take us in. And when we do that, I love what verse 12 and verse 13 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here's what happens when you receive the light, brothers and sisters. You don't by your own willpower and by your own strength say, that's it, I gotta turn the light on. That's it, I gotta go be the light now. No, to be the light, do you know what you have to do? You have to receive the light. You have to let the, Christ, the light of Christ shine on you and in you so that the light of Christ can actually shine through you. So often we get saved and we think, all right, so I've given my life to Christ, I had this moment where I surrendered to him, now I've gotta start living up to what I've done. I've even heard moms and dads, well-meaning moms and dads, say that to their sons and daughters. 
Oh, you got saved. It's time for you to start living that right now. You better listen. If you're going to make that decision, you need to know that you got to make some changes. And do Listen, can I tell you that is a way to set up your son or daughter for failure? Can I tell you what it means to walk with Christ? Love him and know him in such a way that he does a transforming work in your heart that only he can do. The call is not to get out there and be the light. The, the call is to let the light of Christ shine on you, in you, and through you so that everywhere you go, his light shines. His light shines. Verse 13 says, man, we, we don't live by the strength of ourselves. We don't live by our choices or by the will of our flesh or by the will of ourselves. No, but God and his Holy Spirit makes the difference. And that's really what I want us to see next. Verse 14, man, one of the most powerful verses of all. You've heard me quote it many times already this Christmas season. Look at it again in your Bibles. It simply says this, simply yet profoundly, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Here's what I know. As we talk about receiving Christ, the light of the world, I think for some of us, it can be a little bit frustrating because we believe these things. Like nothing I've said has run counter to your faith and your ideals, your beliefs. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. And some of you say, man, I've even made a profession of faith. But if we're honest, I think we struggle to actually live as if his presence is real in our lives. I think we struggle to actually live in the reality of what the incarnation does for us. But this third truth that I want us to consider today ought to cause all of us to amen this morning. You ready? Are your ameners on? All right, here you go. Get ready. The light of the world dwells within those who call on his name. Thank you. Yeah, see, I, I had to ask for that one. So it, do, it really doesn't count. I had to ask for it. But guys, this truth right here ought to revolutionize your life. The light of the world dwells within you today. That's why Christmas is such an important celebration for us. Because throughout history, mankind has known that something's wrong. Like we've known that all is not well. At the end of the day, we know that we're not right with this God. You look around, we see the glory of God revealed everywhere. Like we said last week, the glory of Christ shines everywhere and in everything. And we see the glory of God and we know there's a God, but yet we know that he's God and we're not. So we wonder how in the world are we going to have a relationship with him? So for all of human history, people have tried to do enough good things to make themselves right with this God to get on his level, and time and time again, we have failed. But what this verse says in verse 14 of John chapter one, what this tells us is that even though we have tried to elevate ourselves and failed over and over and over and over again, that we have a God who came down to us. We have a God who has come to dwell within us. And he came down and did what you and I could never do. The incarnation says that Christ came and became a man. God came and put on flesh. And he walked this world, lived in this world that we live in today without sin, never doing anything outside of the will of his heavenly father. 
Yet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the the fully God and fully man, the God-man, died on the cross. And as he died on that cross, he took the punishment that you and I deserve and all of mankind deserves, past, present, and future. All the punishment for all of our sin was poured out upon Christ on the cross, and he paid the penalty for all of us. And it took him to the grave. But the reason we celebrate is because he didn't stay dead. He walked out of that grave victorious over sin, victorious over death. And the beautiful truth is this. You and I can stop trying to elevate ourselves, stop trying to fix ourselves, stop trying to make ourselves right with God, stop trying to shine your light and be the light. Instead, we can say, Lord, let your light shine on me. And when his light shines on us, it changes us. So the call is to stop running, stop striving, stop trying to be the light. Instead, just let the light of Christ radically transform your life today. And when that happens, the cool thing this text says, when we receive Christ, our lives become full of the glory of God. The second part of verse 10 says, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then verse 16 says, from his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. So here's the reality, guys. You don't get saved and then bam, you're all of a sudden perfect and everything's good for the rest of your life. (laughs) That's not how it works. But here's what happens when you are changed and the light shines on you and you're seeking to walk with the Lord. When you find yourselves in disagreement with his word and what he's calling you to do, do you know what the call is? It's to run back to the light. But if you've been walking in the darkness, go back to the light. And the call is to run back to your Savior who stands ready to transform you. And when you get back, do you know what he says? He doesn't go, oh, now you come back. Oh, it's Christmas, so now you're going to come to church. Oh, it's, you know, we got a Christmas tree up, so you put up the nativity. Neat. No, 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 friends. Have you read Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son and his dad? The prodigal son goes home thinking, oof, I've blown it. I got to do all these things to try to even just have a shot with this guy. Oh, but the text says when the father saw him and he was still a long way off, he ran to him. Guys, the moment you turn back to the light, you know what you're going to find? Is that Jesus has been there all along. There's nobody who's gone so far that you can't come home today. The light of Christ shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And this is what the text means when it says grace on top of grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Because we walk and we're not perfect so we go back to the Lord and he has grace. We, we struggle and we go back to grace and he's changing us and making us into the men and women that he wants us to be. This is what the Christian life looks like. John will go on to expound on this. Uh, our youth group should all understand all of this already because Brother Bryce uh, walked through First John, written by this same John, who, who expounds on this idea and says, man, just walk in the light. And it doesn't mean that you're you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle, but walk in the light and let the light of Christ transform you. And all that's possible 
Because God is not a God up there on his throne keeping score on you down here, but God literally dwells within you today. This is the miracle of Christmas, that God himself comes and dwells among us. How would your life be different if you really recognize the reality that God is with you all the time? Y'all, I acted different because my mama was here last Sunday. <laughs> I preach different because I know she may listen to the podcast. Hi, mom, I love you. Hey? Some of y'all act different when the preacher's around. Some of y'all think act up a little more. I don't know what to think about that yet. I'm trying to figure it out. It's a weird complex some of y'all got. How much more would your life change if you remembered and realized and lived in the incredible, shocking, scandalous reality that the God of all creation dwells within you? Every interaction you have today with that spouse that's on your last nerve, those kids that are on your last nerve, that re you know, the restaurant you go to and the service may not be, all those things, every interaction in your life that God is with you. Can I tell you what this awakens you to the possibility of actually making a difference beyond anything you're capable of doing on your own? Because here's the final truth that we're gonna be done. The, the call is if you've received this light, brothers and sisters, we've got to boldly proclaim this light. And you have a unique opportunity to do that this Christmas season. In a season where a lot of people are excited and happy and having the time of their lives, they are as open as ever to talking about Christ. Statistically, every meaningful research that's ever been done says that people are more open to talking about their beliefs and their faith at Christmas time. So those conversations you've been waiting to have, some of y'all have been like, I'm really more about making a relationship with somebody, and that's how I evangelize. Can I tell you, relational evangelism is awesome, but at some point, you got to share the gospel. This would be a great season for you to run that play, y'all. But, but at the same time, this is also a season where a lot of people are hurting, and a lot of you are struggling right now. A lot of people in this room and a lot of people in our community are hurting. And can I tell you, we have the light of Christ that stands ready to heal, help, and do incredible things in their lives. So we can proclaim this light to those who would hear us. I think it's easy at Christmas we, we think about family, right? Like we love getting together with our families and even our church family and doing all of our things. But, but I think about that passage in the book of one of the books of Kings. I think it's 2 Kings 7, actually. I might be wrong, but check me on that later. But there's a story. Do you remember this story where this group of lepers stumble onto an enemy camp that's been abandoned? It's a wild story. You can read this in your Bible. It, it's, it's absolutely nuts. But basically, a group of lepers stumble onto an enemy camp that had been abandoned. The Lord scared these bad guys into running away and leaving all of their stuff. And this group of lepers, these outcasts, these forgotten people, show up to this empty camp. And there's food, there's money, there's stuff. And they start eating and celebrating. They're having a party. They are having the time of their lives. And then in a moment, one of them says, hold up y'all that's the rusty paraphrase version but I don't think that's how it went he said what we are doing is not right this is a day of great rejoicing we cannot keep it to ourselves 
So this group of lepers, this group that, that honestly were the outcasts of society, went in and said, hey, there's some good news you guys need to know about. And they saved their people because of it. Friends, if we're not careful at Christmas time, we can huddle in our homes and in our churches and live it up and say, man, the Christ is here. The light of the world shines. Our Christmas programs have been great. The music's been awesome. The preaching's been okay. We've all just been having the time of our lives and we come and we do this. But brothers and sisters, what I want to tell you today is that if we're not careful, we will do what is not right. We will enjoy this treasure, rejoice in it, and just take it all in and never Share what the Lord put here to shine in us and through us, and that's the light of Christ. So look for opportunities to boldly proclaim the light of Christ this Christmas. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is here, and the wild thing about this is, is that Jesus ain't just in this building. When you take him with you, you're taking Jesus with you. The light of Christ is going all over the place. Here's what I love. But you know, we are a multi-campus church. Did you know that? Some of you are like, oh no. No, listen, not like that. But we got campuses all over, Buna, Evadale, Southeast Texas, and beyond. We have people who call this church home, who come and receive what God is doing, and you take the gospel with you into places that Central Baptist Church could never go, but you, the church, take Jesus with you to the ends of Jasper County, Southeast Texas, and ultimately the world. Why? Not because you're a bunch of awesome lights, but because the true light of Christ shines on you and in you and through you. So friends, let Jesus shine bright this Christmas season. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would help us to be a people who walk in the transforming power of your light. Lord, thank you for the gospel Thank you for the reality that, that we have a God who stands ready to dwell in us. You are a big God, but you have come to dwell near to those who call on your name and ask you to be Lord and Savior. So God, I pray if there's anyone in this room who needs to make that decision, that today would be the day that they ask you to save them. Lord, I pray for those in this room who know you, but if they just are honest today, they would acknowledge that they've been trying to be the light on their own. Maybe they're weary, they're tired, they're burnt out. God, I pray that today they would stop trying to be the light and instead would just walk in the light. They would just walk with you and let you transform them day by day. Lord, I pray you'd help us respond in the way you want us to respond today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.